Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31. The title of this morning's message is Updraft. Updraft. And it says in Isaiah 40, verse 28, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. Can I get an amen? amen? He is the creator of the ends of the earth, and he will not grow tired, and he will not grow weary. Can I get an amen on that? And his understanding, I love this part, no one can even fathom what our God understands. Can I get an amen? He gives strength to the weary and increases power to the weak and say, I want some. (laughs) And even youths grow tired and weary, young men stumble and fall, but those whose hope, everybody say hope hope in the Lord. He will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. God, I thank you for an updraft today. I thank you for a current coming underneath our wings and rising us up to another level. I thank you, Lord God, that we're going to start flying farther than we ever have, faster than we ever have, doing things greater than we've ever done. I thank you, God, that we're no longer chicken scratching around a coop trying to get stuff off the ground, but you're lifting us up. You're rising us up. You're bringing us to a new level in Christ. And I declare a spiritual shift in, our, in the heavenlies taking place right here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You can be seated this morning. And so I pray this morning that you'll get yourself in the pl- proper place. Begin to set yourself up in the proper position so you can receive all that God has promised us to do. And as I read this um, uh, fact about eagles this morning, eagles can fly about 65 miles per hour. Come on now, that's good. They can fly about 65 miles per hour. And they can soar at altitudes of 10,000 feet, staying aloft for hours and hours, as long as six hours, as a matter of fact, using natural wind currents and thermal updrafts. That is so important. So long in the church. We've been working and working and striving and striving and struggling and struggling and, and begging and begging and asking and asking and say, God, do something. God, do something. And God says, if you'll get in the right place, set yourself up in the right position and spread your wings, my wind and my updraft will bring you to a level that you need and you have to work at. Come on now. That's good. See, a lot of times we say we trust God, but we try to do it in our own strength. Come on. That's good. I'm guilty of that. I'll just be honest. I'm guilty of that. Man, I'm guilty of that. I'm trying to do it in my own strength rather than depend on a current and an updraft. I love it when I get to start flying home from another country and you're flying home from Asia to to America. Man, on the way over there, you're struggling. You can feel the plane struggling because you're flying against the wind currents. And you're going at about 500, 525 miles an hour and you're thinking, man, can't they put the hammer down? Let's get there. (laughs) I know there's FAA regulations. I know all that. But on the way home, it's a different story. (laughs) On the way home, you can tell the plane isn't struggling because they've caught a current and they're going 700 miles an hour. And you find yourself flying not straight to the United States, but you're going up and around the tip of Alaska and coming on down and you make the landing at DFW. Come on now. If you've ever been on a 14-hour flight home from Shanghai, you understand what that's all about. You're praying for a thousand mile uh, current to get you home and get you home quickly. But the thing I want to bring to your attention on this is God has got a spiritual current and a spiritual updraft that he's trying to get you to just spread your wings. And when you'll start spreading your wings and doing your part and beginning to fly like we talked about last week, once you get out there a little bit, his updraft and his current will bring you higher and help you go faster than you've ever gone before. You got to get out there. You got to spread your wings. You got to begin to fly. How many of y'all want to updraft in your marriage? Come on now. Give me an amen on that. Me and my wife got an awesome marriage. I want an updraft, man. 
You can call it upgrade like Damon does in youth. I'll call it an updraft because there's a series we're in. He, I want God to bring it to another level. Amen? How many of y'all want to updraft in your career? Some of y'all are thinking, oh, yes, I could use more money. That's not what I said. <laughs> How many of y'all want to updraft in your career? If all you are is thinking about money when I say updraft in your career, you've done miss God altogether. Because when you'll start working for him at your workplace, he'll give you an updraft. He'll give you favor with God and man. See, I, I found this out. If I'll handle God's problems and work for God, God will handle my problems and work for me. What problem does God have? God's got a billion, or God's got about three and a half billion people out there who don't know Christ, who never heard Christ, not just who don't know him. That's God's problem. He said, I got to get a people who want to embrace an updraft, <laughs> who want to embrace the current, and not fly at 20 miles an hour in their own strength, but will catch my current because the way he's built you, you can fly at 65 miles an hour. Come on now, that's good. And so this morning as we get into this, I'm pumped about this message because God's fixing to bring some updrafts into your life if you'll embrace him this morning. God's going to bring some updrafts in your relationship if you'll embrace him this morning. Moms and daughters who have strained relationships this morning, God's fixing to bring an updraft into that relationship. Amen? Amen. Fathers and sons or fathers and daughters even or mothers and sons, those of you who have strained, close, intimate family relationships that are strained, if you'll let God get an updraft under your wing, he'll bring you up and rise you up and he'll change that relationship this morning. He's going to transform your life. And so we're going to jump into this message this morning and watch God bring an updraft in our life. But to do that, we got to remember one point that we talked about last week. God did not call us to comfort. He called us to faith. He did not call us to comfort. He called us to faith. And so when God brings an updraft into your life, you're going to have to embrace it by faith. Amen? When he brings you to a new place or a new position or a new, a new promise in him, a lot of you are so uncomfortable in that you back away from the promise when if you'll embrace it by faith and spread your wings, God will let you fly. And so when God brings an updraft in your life, don't freak out and pull your wings in. When that marriage starts getting good, don't wait for the other shoe to fall. Start running so fast it's got to run with you and it can't miss a step. So many times God brings good things in our life, and, and I'm guilty of this. The past year has been an example of this in my life. I was like, God, when is the next shoe going to fall? When's the next bad thing going to happen? He said, why are you expecting bad all the time? Amen. Me and God talk like that. He talks to me like a, <laughs> right? And I had to repent of that and change my ways and let God bring an updraft into my life and God do something amazing in my life. So when God starts bringing an updraft, it's not just, oh, this is so wonderful, we're flying. When the first time you hit 10,000 feet, you're going to be like, oh, Lord Jesus, don't let me fall. <laughs> right? But once you get used to soaring at that altitude, you quit working. <laughs> you just spread your wings, and the updraft in the current just keeps you aloft, and you're just basically floating in the things of God. Some of you are on your way to getting there. Some of you have got to embrace the three points of this message that I'm about to get to here in the next 20 minutes, and it's this. You've got to be in the right place. You've got to get in the right position, and then you will experience the promise of God Almighty. God did not call us to comfort. He called us to faith, and I read something great this morning that everybody says, ooh, I love first place. First place is the loneliest place you can ever be. You're on the tallest podium all by yourself. Everyone else is below you, and you're looking down on the rest of the world, and everybody says, ooh, I want to be there till you get there, and then you say, well, I'm just all alone. Nobody understands me. Nobody understands how many hours of work I got to put in to be the greatest school teacher that I can possibly be. When you are number one, it's a lonely place. 
and everybody's trying to pull you down and everybody's trying to get what you got because everybody says they want to be number one until they're number one. And I want you to embrace number one in your life. I want you to embrace it because here's the thing. When you are on the highest platform, you're the closest to God. Amen? Amen. When you are in the operating in excellence in your life, you are getting closer to God. And so when you are in this place and God is blessing you and you got an updraft coming and you got a current taking you and people are saying, you're changed, you're different, you're just not who you used to be. Say, thank you, God's working in my life. I'm so excited. Why don't you come along and start flying with me? Why do you get your feelings hurt and say, well, they're just trying to pull me down? Why don't you start pulling them up? I mean, come on now. But I want to encourage you, when you start getting to a place of faith, you got to start forgetting about comfort. you got to start embracing what God's called you to do in this life. And this is part of soaring. And so to catch the wind or the updraft, you've got to be in the right place. And I'm going to read you a ton of scripture this morning. Everybody say, yes, I love that. All right, sounds good. In Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, it says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, and this is Jesus talking, but to wait. Everybody say wait. Wait. And some of y'all think, I've been waiting a long time. No, you've been sitting there a long time. You ain't been waiting. There's a big difference between sitting there and waiting. I've been waiting five years for a husband. No, you've been sitting there five years. Waiting means you're doing all you're called to do and all you know to do for the kingdom and, and, and everything that God's told you to do until he starts moving. Some of you been sitting, you ain't been waiting. But to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, at this time will you restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the season that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. Everybody say strength. Everybody say might. Everybody say passion. Passion. Everybody say everything I need. That's what the Holy Spirit's going to give you for the day that you're in. You're going to receive power from on high when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and all of Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so as we're talking about this, Jesus, everybody says, oh, the last words of Jesus in Matthew 28 are go. No, the last words of Jesus are in Acts 1. He says, stay and wait. And so if you've been trying to go without first waiting unto the power of God to come upon your life, you're going to be running around doing a lot of things in your own strength and wondering why the results aren't coming. And God says, wait and catch the updraft. Wait and catch the current. Because if you're trying to be a fish swimming upstream, you're struggling a lot. But if you'll turn around and go downstream, and that's not talking about running with society, talking running in the river, the power of God. Jesus said, out of you will flow rivers of living water. And so you should go with the river of the Holy Spirit flowing out of you. We must begin to wait on the Holy Spirit. And wait means anxious anticipation of. And anxious doesn't mean worried anxious. It means excited. (laughs) Excited anticipation of the power of God, the spiritual shift that we've been talking about, getting ready to be poured out on your life. Some of you ought to go home and say, God, it's like Christmas morning. (laughs) I'm just waiting for mom and dad to wake up so we can start getting into them presents. Come on now. I mean, you need to have that kind of excitement. Some of you ladies, the best way I can phrase it like this, remember your wedding day. And I won't be ugly and I'll say, I didn't say your first wedding day. Come on now. Remember your wedding day. 
Some of y'all just got that. You're like, oh, I understand. Remember your wedding day. I'm talking the day that you've been waiting for. The white dress is hanging on the door. I mean, you, you got the honeymoon planned. You got the big ceremony that's going to take place. You got all the food afterwards. You know what you're doing. You're just waiting for that moment. And you're excited. I don't know about you. I remember my wedding day. I was excited. But the thing about it now is once the wedding day happened, I'm even more excited now than the day we got married. And so in your life, some of you have got to begin to wait. And wait doesn't mean sitting there. I get so tired of Christians saying, well, I'm just ready for God to use me. Well, get up off your keister and let him start doing it. Sometimes you got to do what you don't want to do to figure out what you're not called to do so God can get you to where you're called to be. Come on. Thomas Edison said, a matter of fact, I got thousands of ways that the light bulb doesn't work. Come on. Some of you got to just get up and start doing something. Start hopping in the nest like we talked about last week. We've been so accustomed to waiting on God. No, you've been sitting there. And God says, if you want my promises, this spiritual shift, this new anointing in your life, the power of God to fall in your life, it's not time to sit any longer, but it's time to sit up and begin to wait. Time to anxiously expect, excitedly expect something that God's going to pour out in your life. And begin to do all that you know to do. The Bible says whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. When you start doing with all your might, God's going to start steering you into the direction where you're called to be. You cannot steer a parked car because it still is not going anywhere. Some of you have been a parked car sitting in a garage all day wondering why you ain't going nowhere. Put that baby in gear. I would rather you start driving and driving um, uh, not, I don't want to say wrongly because wrongly is a bad word. I'd rather you start, dri- start driving and start driving and make mistakes than to sit in the garage and never leave because then you're never going to get out and see the world. And so in your life, I've got to encourage you. You must begin to jump in the nest. You must begin to hop and fly. And you must begin to go to the place where God has called you to go. A lot of us, we, we, we get out there, and because we haven't waited in the right place in the season of God, we get out there and start running in our own strength and wonder why we do not see the inheritance of the kingdom. It's because you're trying to fly without the updraft. You're trying to get to 10,000 feet on your own. In fact, you're trying to build your own empire instead of building his kingdom. Come on. on. That's good because here's the thing. Empires are built up. Kingdoms are built out. God said, build me a kingdom. Go expand it. Take it to the ends of the earth. You're wanting to build an empire like the Tower of Babel so people notice you. If it's about you getting noticed, your Tower of Babel is going to crumble. And so this has caused a lot of us as believers to, because we haven't waited, to run off and look more like the prodigal son than the son of the most high God. We come back to church, I've done all this stuff for the kingdom and God still isn't doing anything in my marriage. But did you wait? Not sit there, did you wait on the promise of God? And let God begin to empower you. And listen, some of you are saying, man, I would love to step out there and do something, but... Pastor, I'm just kind of scared. So? What does that matter? What does it matter if you're afraid? You didn't know what was happening the first time you had a baby, but you sure did what it took to have a baby. Come on. And when that baby showed up the first day, you were scared. You didn't leave and say, I'm just done. You brought that thing home. You learned by fire. 
Come on now. I always feel sorry for the oldest kid. All the mistakes get made on that one. I mean, I feel sorry for Caleb. I pray, I lay my hands on that boy and I bless him. I said, thank you for being my first son. I'm sorry you're the first son. I make all my mistakes on you. It's true. So what does it matter if you're a little scared? It doesn't stop you from doing anything else in life. How many of you were a little bit scared the first time you started driving? Y'all had good reason to be scared when I started driving. I still drive as bad today as I did the first day I started driving. Amen. Come on. <laughs> but I ain't scared to get in the car no more because <laughs> I've done it enough. In your life, if you have a little fear or anxiousness or apprehension because you're not qualified or you don't have the abilities, I don't care because I wasn't qualified to be a daddy. <laughs> I wasn't qualified to pastor a church. I did it. I stepped out there. Have I made mistakes? Yes. Tons. Millions. I'm just grateful for grace that y'all stuck with me through them. Amen? But the great thing about you being in your life and you being who you're called to be is that if you make a, if you make a mistake, you can just make a decision to correct the mistake. I tell people on staff this all the time, if I mess up, I need you to forgive me. But if I mess up, I'll just make a decision to correct the mistake. It's the powerful thing about being a leader. That's the powerful thing about you being in the place you're in. You're a leader in your workplace. If you mess up, just make a decision to make it right. If you sin, make a decision to repent. If you mess up, make a decision that I'm going to fix it and make it right no matter what the cost. This isn't hard. It isn't rocket science. It's you being in the right place waiting on the power of God to come so you can catch the updraft. But if you're just sitting there, you're never going to see it. So now that you're in the right place, we must be in the right position to catch the updraft. See, the birds are still in the nest. But the birds don't stay in the center of the nest, hunkered down like this, saying, all right, I'm in the right place, let's fly. No, they go get in the right position. You're never going to fly from the center of the nest. You are never going to fly from the center of the nest. You're going to have to walk to the edge. You have to get yourself in the right position. And the funny thing is, a lot of us will do crazy stuff in our life. I mean, we're not afraid to do crazy stuff in our life. I know Derek Dillon loves heights. Come on. No, I'm just playing, Derek. <laughs> but in this life, we're not afraid to do crazy stuff. I know Derek's done crazy stuff. Derek's probably sat out in the boat in the middle of a storm trying to catch fish. That's crazy to me. And he's like, come on, baby. I'm like, get me in where it's dry, and I can have coffee, and I don't have to worry. That's his crazy. Some of y'all are thinking, Pastor, you're crazy being up there in front of all these people. That's my crazy. All of us have done crazy stuff in our life. Can I get an amen? amen. You know what the last word of a, resident, of a redneck is? Hey, watch this. <laughs> He's about to do something crazy. <laughs> you know what your, your, your last word should be as a believer? The same thing. Hey, watch this. I'm going to take a step of faith. <laughs> when I'm 99, about to turn 100, I hope I'm saying, hey, watch this. The next 20 years are going to be even better. <laughs> Come on now. Be a little crazy in your life. <laughs> what you worried about? You only got one life to live anyway. Live it to the fullest. Get on out there. You got to get yourself in the right position. Fear is not the right position. And if you have a little appreh apprehension about doing something, 
Let your faith override your fear and step out there in the midst of fear and do what God's called you to do. And it's not doing it in spite of fear. It's looking at fear and saying, I'm fixing to overcome you. It's looking at the problem and saying, I'm fixing to overcome you. It's looking at the marriage that's falling apart and saying, I'm overcoming you. And if I am a little nervous about overcoming you, listen, I'm going to overcome you anyway. And when I look back on the other side, I'll say, whoo, look at what God did. How many of y'all have ever been ziplining? Come on now, that's some fun stuff. But that first zipline, when you got to jump off and let go. How many of y'all have ever been bungee jumping? That first step when they say, just walk to the edge and look down. And they say, don't jump. They say, just spread your arms and fall forward. This is what you do. You ever jump out of a plane? They're like, walk to the edge of the wing, hold on, and then just let go. Some of y'all got to do something crazy in your life. And I'm not talking crazy stupid. I'm talking crazy faith. And listen, crazy faith isn't dropping your job and running around the world. Some of you crazy faith is actually telling your kids how much you really love them. Some of you crazy faith is going to your boss and saying, listen, I've not been the best employee, but today I'm making a difference. I'm fixing to be the best employee you got. Put it all on me. I'm fixing to take a step of faith and prove to you a spiritual shift has happened in my life. Now, that's some crazy faith. That's crazier than having kids. <laughs> some of you must begin to embrace the position that God's called you. Listen to this about position. It says in Acts 1, verse 13 and 14, it says, when they had come in, they went to the upper room. They got to the place of the upper room where they knew God had called them to be. So they were in the right place in the upper room, but then they must get in the right position. A lot of us come to church and we're in the right place, but many times we're not in the right position. We can come to church and we say, I come to church to get coffee. I come to church to have fellowship. I come to church to see sister so-and-so because it's the one time a week we get to meet. I come to church to hang out with people. I come to church to do this, and we call it church. That's not the right position. You're in the right place, but that's not the right position. We must get in the right position if we're going to see God move. And it says, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. And I love this part. With the women. Everybody say, ladies, come on. Y'all should have gave a shout. Come on. Ladies, don't ever let people think that, that y'all don't have a place in this gospel message. Girls, y'all rise up and be awesome. Y'all rise up and rock it out. Y'all start laying hands on people and teaching us how to pray. Come on. I mean, if y'all, listen, if y'all want somebody to pray for you, I mean, seriously, if y'all want somebody to pray, I'm talking, pray the fire down on you. <laughs> Don't come to me, come to Laura Wilkes. I'm just saying, you may never hear her speak a word, but she gets her hands on you. I'm telling you, you won't be the same. Amen. Ask the youth. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Ask the youth. I, I'm just, listen. Don't, ladies, don't let... The world slow you down from spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, the mother, and, the, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and was with him and his brethren. And so a lot of Christians, when we're, we're in the right place, but we got to get it. But we refuse to get in the right position. And it says, one accord. This means with one mind, one passion, one thought process, one vision, one driving force. It means a singular focus. See, we don't even come, we can come to church with the best spiritual mindset, but if we don't have a singular focus, we're just 180, 190 people in one service going a billion different directions. And some of you came in here with the need for God to meet. 
God will meet that need. He's faithful. Some of you came and you're saying, I hope Pastor Joel preaches just to me and has a word just for me today. God will meet that need. Some of you come in and say, oh, I hope the worship team does this song because this is the one I love to sing. (laughs) See, we're all coming in to the right place, but we all come in in different positions. One means singular. One mindset. My mindset when I come into church, and forgive me for not presenting this more often, my mindset when I come to church is to see the glory of God fall and the power of the Spirit of God move. My only mindset when I come to church is, God, I want your anointing to show up. Anointing in my version means this. It means when heaven touches earth. Because when heaven touches earth, you ain't going to be the same. When heaven touched earth in Acts chapter 2, they weren't the same. When heaven touched your life when you got born again, you weren't the same. When heaven touched your life and you got healed, you were different. You were healed and made whole. My prayer, my focus when I come in here is, God, let heaven touch earth. Whatever it takes to get us there, that's my singular mindset, singular focus, singular passion, singular driving force of why I do this because I want to see heaven touch your life. Change it, transform it, make it new. So they came in with one focus, one accord, one mindset, one process, one vision. And they were in prayer. And this means literally a place of prayer or a place suited for prayer. And now we must as a church begin to pray. I mean begin to pray. I mean so much so that the 30 minutes we do worship, I don't care if you ever sing, you know, I I pray we'd be packed out up here praying. I mean, God, Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. I pray we have churches that start having repentance services. I mean, we just come in as the body of Christ and we start repenting. I mean, come on. See, we got one amen. Ooh, I don't like repenting. I want God to just do something in my life. He can't because we're not repenting in prayer. And if we're wanting to be in the right position, let's first repent. And that's not a popular word in church today. It's not the new thing in church today. I don't really care because it's still the process to get us to the position to get us to the promise. And so in this, come to church and just, and and I'm not saying beat yourself up over all you did. I'm saying, God, forgive me. (laughs) Turn my eyes back to Jesus because it says, fix my eyes on Jesus, the author, the finisher, and the perfecter of my faith. And we just begin to turn our head back to Jesus. That's what repent means. Turn your face back to Jesus. Don't sing to him if you're not going to face him. Mitch, stand up just for a second. If I'm going to talk to Mitch, how am I going to talk to him? I'm going to look at him. If I were to say, wow, Mitch, you are great, man. You do an awesome job up there. I love the way you lead worship. How disrespectful is this? We want to worship God, but we don't want to face him. We want to tell him how great he is and let his heaven touch our earth. But heaven forbid we should look at him. I'm telling you, we better get in prayer. Oh, we can complain about our nation all day long, but heaven forbid we should pray for five minutes because it's so much fun or blasting it on social media. I mean, let, let's get serious. If, we're going, if new anointing, if greater anointing and new level and spiritual shifts are going to take place, you've got to get in the right position. I'm going to get to the edge of the nest. Get to a place where you're saying, listen, if, if this doesn't work out, if I'm the redneck and saying, hey, watch this, and this is my last hurrah, I'm going to leave with clear conscience because I've repented, everything's good, I'm in the right position, I'm going. <laughs> and I say that humorously, but I say that seriously. We must begin to get in an attitude of prayer because if we want God to move on our behalf, why don't we face him and say, God, 
Fix this so you can use me to do your movement. God always moves through people. And so now that we are in the right position in one accord in prayer, and this says with supplication or in suppl- and supplication, and that means if he said and pray, in prayer and supplication, it means supplication is not just prayer. There's different terminologies. Supplication means to ask, to seek, to entreat, entreaty God with something. Say, if you are going to go before God, don't go before God and just say, God, I want this. Give validity to what he's calling you to want. Give validity to it. We, a lot of people read the story where the woman went to the unjust judge and it says, by her much asking, the judge gave her what was justfully or rightfully hers. And we say, oh, if we just keep going to God and we keep begging and we keep begging and we keep begging and we keep saying, oh, please, Jesus, oh, please, Holy Spirit, oh, please, God, oh, please. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about this. If we want a movement of God in our church, if you want a movement of God in your marriage, if you want a movement of God in your workplace, a movement of God anywhere, you need to go to God with scripture that talks about his promise that gives him validity that heaven can move because now you know that heaven can truly move. You go to God like this, and if we're praying for a movement in our church, God, you said in the last days you'll pour your spirit out of all flesh. And God, it's been the last days since Jesus was raised from the dead. So we had 2,000 years, God, of last days, and I believe, God, it's about time for your spirit to be poured out. So I'm coming to you with scripture, not just telling you what to do, because I'm not telling you, God, but I'm asking that this be a day that your spirit pours out, because you said in the last days you would do it. God, let it be today. I'm asking, God. I'm needing it, God. I'm desiring it, God. And I got a passion about it, God. Ooh, I, I, I love this message. <laughs> I think I like it better than y'all do, but... This is how I live my life. This is how passionate I am about everything. Everything that God calls me to do, I get this passionate about it. Because when I go before God, I want to have firm foundation of reasons of why God should do what I'm asking him to do. And listen, when you're asking God to do something, it's not testing God and telling God what to do. It's testing your faith and telling your faith to rise up to get to a place where God will move on it. Come on now. So a lot of people say, well, you can't tell God what to do. I know you can't tell God what to do, but I can tell my faith to rise up to a point where God moves of it. So whenever I ask God something, I'm not testing God. I'm testing my faith. And I'm asking God, rise my faith to a level where you can entrust me with a mighty movement for your kingdom. Because if you said you're going to do it and pour your spirit out on, the, on all flesh in the last days, you need somebody to do it in. And God, I want that somebody to be me. So rise my faith to a level where I can receive what you've called it to be. So I'm not testing you, but I'm asking you to let your spirit be poured out upon me in my life. You want to have a successful marriage? Go before God with the same passion. God, you said what, man, what God has joined together, let no man put it asunder. And that word is awesome. Because that means you, husband and wife, are now the protectors of your marriage. It says, what God has joined together, you don't let man put it asunder. That means God did his part by putting you together. It's time for you to work your butt off to make sure it happens. And watch God do something to man. Go to God with that passion. And yes, you can say but in your prayer, and it's okay. I mean, I'm telling you. We've made this such a religious thing instead of a relationship movement from, from God. I mean... Oh, God's just saying, spread your wings and let's fly. Let's do this, baby. The first church in Acts didn't know what they were doing either. (laughs) Come on. Listen, the first church in Acts didn't even have the New Testament. They were the New Testament. 
Some of y'all never even thought about that. They didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the Gospels all written down. They didn't have the letters from Paul. He hadn't wrote them yet. And if God did that with no New Testament, what could he do with us empowered by the Holy Spirit with the words of Jesus written down, with the Apostle Paul written down, and with the book of Revelation, and we know what's coming written down, what can he do with us? Come on now, I'm already running way late. Let's get this, let's, let's, let's let this bird fly. To catch the updraft, you must know the promise of God. Acts 1, verse 4 and 5, and it says, While staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized you with water, but I'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Then Acts 2, 1 and 2, and here's the promise, the answer to the promise. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, mm, come on, I love suddenlies. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Now, Now, did you catch that? It says they were in the right place. They were in prayer and in supplication in one accord. They got in the right position. When they were in the right place and in the right position, the updraft in the current came. If we want the updraft, if we want the current to come, let's get in the right place. We're in the right place. We got to get in the right position, and then we must spread our wings because when the updraft comes, we got to be ready to fly. We got to be ready to do the promise of God. We got to be ready not to just receive it, but go fulfill it because God's not going to pour his spirit out on a church for a mighty movement and us not move. See, a lot of us, we love the story in Acts. Oh, God, do that in our church. Why? You ain't wanting to move anyway. We gotta want we gotta want to embrace change. I mean, do things a little bit different than we've ever done them. To see the power of God move in a way we've never seen it move. I mean, when I said one service is gonna run into another service and it may not is, some of y'all are like, well, how is that possible? We got two services. <laughs> I don't know how it's possible, but if God said it's gonna happen, I'm not putting handcuffs on him. Amen. I'm just saying, God, let it happen and we'll figure it out as we go. You blessed us with great leadership and great wisdom. And if we mess up and make a bad decision, you'll bless us with the knowledge to make it right. Well, I'm not afraid of the movement of God. What I'm afraid of is God's going to try and move, and we're not going to want to move. We're not going to want to be ready. We're comfortable. Flying your first time in flight, who takes faith, not comfort. <sighs> Flapping them wings that first time, getting ready to jump. You just got to figure out how to flap them first. It's not, it's not a hummingbird. We're trying to fly like an eagle with hummingbird wings. Eagles don't fly like that. They do big swoops. Then they get to the place where the current hits, and the updraft is there. And then they quit flapping, and they just soar. I'm ready to soar. Soar. 